Don't frazzle my sh- It's the Woodworking Morning Show. But hey, everybody. It's Friday Live. No, it's not. It's the morning show. Friday, and we're I'm, live. I'm never going to get used to it. It's the Woodworking Morning Show, everyone. <laughs> Good morning. It does also happen to be Friday. And uh, ooh, ooh, Nicole's going to watch the show. Okay. Do you enjoy watching the show? Okay. Good morning, everybody. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. And we're going to try to pull off a show today. Try. We're going to do our best. Oh, we, we were the ish today. The what? The ish? The 930-ish. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I'm going to do this a lot because <clears throat> I hurt my neck. You look like, um, what's his name? The first Batman movie where the cowl <laughs> went into his shoulder pads. And I just remember there's a lot of scenes where he's yeah. like climbing up a tower and he has to look up, but he can't bend his neck. So he's always like this. Yeah. Like yeah. that. That's what you look like. My kids are literally a pain in my neck. <laughs> that's... They've, they're so annoying. They've turned you into a Michael Keaton back Batman. <laughs> they're saying we're really loud. Is it loud? I don't know. You're the, you're look, the audio look, guy. Look, the people know what they want, Nicole, mm. and I just fixed it for them. Okay. Okay? Why did, what, what's going on? Because I told you. Remember I had the thing set wrong? I had it on the wrong microphone. Mm-hmm. It was recording from a um, laptop mic. So, audio is crap. Hey, good job, you guys. Way to be on the ball. Let's do a show. <sighs> Live audio is crap. You know what? You're crap, Harry M. He's joking. I am joking. <laughs> oh, Cremona is here. Look at that. We are so lucky to have him with us. Okay, we so don't let's, have alcohol. Let's do a show. No. I could use some. <laughs> the reason we're late is because, uh, you know, Jay and I were out front diagnosing tree problems it and grass be, problems. It could be grubs. It could be grubs. It could be, we think it's tree roots and we're going to kill a tree. Are you really going to kill that tree? I think a tree has to go. That tree? You got to choose. You want you want a tree or you want grass? Oh. Yeah, not the pine. So uh, we got some questions. We got some stuff to show off. You want to you want to show off the stuff first, yeah, or go yeah, to questions? Yeah, yeah we could, we can show off because we were a little black backlog. <coughs> yeah. Um, and it always happens when I check the mailbox shortly after I get a notice. We got another package, and that happened again. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, dang it! <laughs> if you, I love having people. Um, they're analyzing the sound problem. It's overmodulated. Is what it is, you guys. Matt, uh, it's for me. It's pain in my neck. It is literally, and, and that's something oh, I've heard of. Look at this yep. shirt for my mother-in-law. Thank you, Ruth. This is for my forty-third quarantine birthday yes. with a toilet paper on it, which is fantastic. It's also just a little bit small on me. Watch this. It's tiny. It's a little up on the shoulders. She, does, she doesn't know your size. No, it's a me- some me. I can get away with medium sometimes, but most of the time I need you're a not, I need a large. large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, we got a couple things to show off. Some people were really kind and generous to send us some cool things. First of all, it's a show from Once Upon a Workbench. You can find him on uh, Instagram. He's got some great videos. I love this guy's stuff. He sent me a shirt. And there was a letter and I can't find it. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, We'll find it, I'm sure. Dovetails, woo woo. <laughs> That's awesome. That is fantastic. Uh, there's no no trademark issues there yeah, at all, yeah. right? <laughs> That's really great. Thank you so much. And by the way, once upon a workbench, he makes really great geeky things. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's a little bit of a theme here today. Uh, he makes a lot of great geeky projects. He calls uh, it really handcrafted geeky goodness. He has yeah. a, a YouTube channel. He's a, he's a good dude. Seems like it anyway. At least when he does something really evil and bad, people will say he seemed like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what you say about those people. Okay, we got this. This is interesting. These are wipes. And uh, this was sent from Matt Roberson. Mm-hmm. And he says, been meaning to drop these in the mail for some time, but I finally got around to it. I think you'll find these towels pretty handy. My cousin's a mechanical engineer and turned me on to them. They're actually intended for the aerospace industry, but they're lint-free. Uh, he goes on to explain this, and he says he has no affiliation, but he just loves these things. Um, these look like fantastic finishing uh, towels, right? Instead of using yeah, like yeah, a for, cotton cloth. Yeah, he was saying it, he uses them with Osmo and they're great. Sure, I could totally see that. These are fantastic and you know what? We could always use these. These are great. So mm-hmm. thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it, dude. That was really nice of you. Uh, where's this dude's information? Right Kyle. Alright, this this is kind of like the elephant in the room. How can you not notice this thing? Uh, this is a wall plaque. Obviously uh, done with a chisel, right? <laughs> I think so. And a, and a drill bit. Uh, these are fantastic 
let's see, we got a Marvel and a DC. He, he calls designed them, these. Well, yeah, and he calls them calendars. So um, I'm going to have to figure out how the calendar works, though. Mm. Clearly, there's like a thing happening sure, here sure, sure. for the months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, who cares? It's Marvel, yeah. and it's awesome. He also gave you a DC one down. Yeah. On the floor. So here's a DC. I'll flip that one up here. Oh, jeez, I just lost my microphone. This is <laughs> this is why I didn't want to bring the DC one up. Well, you just we should have had a close. Yeah, should have should have kept it with You got a little bit of Superman with his beautiful little curly cue on his forehead. Uh, so whether you are uh, a, a DC person. Or a Marvel person, he's got your cover here. That's cool. So these are fantastic. Let's give him a, a really hearty plug. What's um, his? Uh... So his Instagram is Sandy Ego CNC. That's Sandy S A N D Y Ego E G G O C N C. Um, his name's Kyle Emmerich. I get it. It took me a while to figure it out. What Sandy Ego? Like the waffle? It's a play on San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, so these are fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, you know my penchant yes. for uh, for Marvel, and oh, I, I cool. do like some DC. Tend to favor Marvel a little. Has a bit. nice little website too. Does he? I'll put his link. In the there you go. Chat. So the, I mean, if I needed to buy a gift for someone who I knew was a comic yeah, fan, that would be amazing. Fantastic. The only problem is now I got to find room. Where, well, where am I going to put it up I in the was, shop? I was going to put one in the house. Oh, well, I guess we could pick one and put it in the house. Put one in Mateo's room would be awesome. Sure. Or Ava's. These are great. Absolutely great. i got to figure out the calendar aspect to it, though. Is Wonder Woman on the DC one? Of, it would yeah, be, she's uh, at the top. It would be a, a omission, a glaring omission. She's at the top. Here she is. Where almost she almost as big as Superman. Yeah. Superman's head is bigger, though. <laughs> All right, should we do some questions? Uh, Mike... Candela says, Podfather Matt Vanderlis released a new video this week. I know. He's been, I, the quarantine is good for Matt's Basement Workshop. <laughs> it's back. He's been productive. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, head on over to Matt's Basement Workshop mm -hmm. and check out. Do you out. think we should just quietly replace Matt Cremona with Vanderlis? Oh, that would be fun. And see if anybody notices? I'm sure they know. Just substitute fun. him and it will just, you know, nothing changes in the script. It's still Matt. That was the whole reason. That's why we went with another Matt, is to make them interchangeable. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you think we should do that? No. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, let's All right, get, let's to, get to some questions. Alex Copley wrote in on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer if you'd like to did get you thank, in on that did stuff. Did you thank everybody? <laughs> no. No. I did not. You did not. All right. You know what the problem is? There, I didn't do the screenshot. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. Oh, jeez. So, uh, I'll thank them. Mark Green, Rob Bradfield, perfect. Ryan Elliott, and Roy Hamill. Yeah, thank you. Thank hey, you so I, much. I think I didn't mess up a single name. No, nope, you only had four, too. Oh, that was pretty good. Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you had that because I did not have their names here. So thank you, everybody, for helping us out on Patreon. We always appreciate that. Alex Copley says, I'm hoping to, your answer will help my productivity in the shop. What do you do to protect projects while you're waiting for finishes to cure? Or is this something I wouldn't worry about or shouldn't worry about so much? For example, I have a tabletop that I just put finish on and I hate feeling like I have to, he says, have to do air to start the next project. I don't know what that means, but I guess he's saying that he might have to delay starting the next project. Mm -hmm. I have decent dust collection, but that only goes so far with tools like the bandsaw, routers, sanders, any help would be appreciated. Uh, you know, that's the small shop challenge we all face, right? If you have a small shop, you don't have a finishing room, you don't have a place that's dust free, uh, you just try to keep the dust down while finish is curing. It's hard to find a way around that. Uh, even if you, like you said, run your dust collector, an air cleaner, uh, the stuff still gets in the air, and if you have a finish that is curing, it's still gonna be problematic. Uh, one recommendation is to rethink your finishes, and that's a easier said than done. Depending on what you're doing, the finish you're using may be the only finish you can use. Uh, if you use lacquers, they tend to dry a little bit faster, so you don't have to keep the shop dust-free for as long. Uh, if you're just doing like an oil-based poly or something like that that takes a long time to cure, stays tacky for quite a while, that's kind of the worst-case scenario. Um, but you also might look into hard wax oils, which generally speaking, once you buff that surface, not that it's totally cured, but it's not really going to be impacted by stuff settling on the surface because once it cures, then you can just kind of wipe it down or buff it again and it'll be fine. Um, so your choice of finish makes a difference. Uh, but if you really do need to keep the area dust free, you're not going to really have the option to start cutting again. That just is the nature of the beast. Uh, there were times where I would just take a couple days off from the shop when it was a finishing situation and uh, thankfully I have things I can do in the office. Uh, but I would come out in the shop be there for an hour, 
and then I'll see it again the next day, right? There's really not much I, I can do while a finish is actively drying in the shop. So I don't really have any great answers to that. Uh, if anyone has any other suggestions in the chat, definitely uh, give that to Alex. I have a super chat from Chet Klaus. It's obvious the Sub sound chat. problem is Dunkin' Coffee. Take this and buy some Starbucks. Oh, gosh. Well, you see, we fixed it, Chet. Chet. So there's that. Good old Starbucks. I mean, I'll, I'll do Starbucks in a pinch. You'll do an Americana when you have to. Uh, it's more, I like the mochas. Well, I, if, feel yeah. like, I feel like I'm, I should be in a neck brace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand, Sorry. Nicole. I, I'm looking at you. Okay. What was the time? We need that for a screenshot oh, later. Pain in the neck is what the, <laughs> the, the show so, should be called. So, Araya Woodworks has a question, and I'm going to really tap my memory here. Mm-hmm. Alex, my good buddy Alex. Your good buddy, yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> I think it's Alex. You know, my okay. best friend in high school was Alex. Yeah. So, I should, that one should come easy mm-hmm. to me. Okay, Araya says, which blade do you have on your table saw? Is that what you would recommend for a shop that cuts mainly maple for hardwood and plywood? Do you switch blades often? I don't switch blades often. I'm lazy. So I usually have whatever it is. It's probably going to be a 40 tooth alternating bevel blade. I have kind of rotate between my woodworker two and lights blades, L-E-I-T-Z. Um, the guy from um, uh, Very Super Cool Tools deals with them and they sent me a couple of samples and they have been pretty great so Alan, far. right? Yeah, Alan. Alan Little. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are pretty good too, um, but I don't often switch because I find that a 40 tooth combo blade kind of does most of what I need it to do. Now I do have a ripping blade. I think it's always good to have a ripping blade on hand. If you're cutting, the hell was that? Your trashy shop. Sorry. <laughs> it's those, I'm kicking around those uh, towels that we were just yeah. praising. Oh yeah. Treating them, mistreating them. There, they're okay. <laughs> it's just towels. Yeah, okay. But the, um, what the heck was I saying? Oh, it's good to have a ripping blade, even though I don't use it all the time. If you're doing something like, let's say, hard maple eight quarter, and you need to rip that stuff, that's not, I mean, you can do it with a 40 tooth, but it's not that fun. Uh, you are going to be way happier doing that with a 30 tooth blade uh, or some kind of ripping blade. It just makes it a whole lot easier, less burning, less strain on the saw, less strain on the blade, and, and less chance of you, you know, you're pushing harder, right? Anytime you have to push harder to move wood through a tool, there's more of a chance that something could slip and you could wind up hurting yourself. So um, definitely have that ripping blade on hand, but a good quality 40 tooth um, combination blade can do wonders. Okay, Corey says, thoughts on the Woodpecker's Clampzillas? Pre-order ends a little over a week, and uh, these things seem like the ultimate clamp, plus call, uh, but they're rather pricey. Oh, they didn't send us any. Oh, um, Woodpecker's? Yeah. This is the second round of Clampzillas. They had the originals, mm-hmm. and now these are Clampzilla Juniors. Uh, so they are a smaller size I range. I like the name. Clampzilla. Yeah. Clampzilla. So the, the, the thing about this is, If you're looking at value, you have to be pretty critical about this. So the people who have bought these things, keep in mind, I haven't had my hands on these, so I can't speak from experience. I can only speculate and then share what I've heard. Uh, People who have these do like them. And I think if you have stuff that you are doing repeatedly, maybe you're doing cabinet doors and they're always in the same size range. So having these sets, these uh, sets of clamps kind of pre-made and ready to go, you can just drop your stuff on. Put that thing down, clamp them, everything is good. Maybe you're making a bunch of cutting boards, right? That's a case where you might have a pretty consistent size range that you're clamping within. Uh, These things can be a great time saver with that built-in call. What I can tell you, and people who have the Clampzilla, you can let me know if this is the case. In the past, this this is not a new concept. There have been clamps with built-in call action for a long time. I had a set probably in 2006, I think Rockler used to sell it. It was a set of clamp heads and you would have to make this notched piece of wood that would connect them, right? So it's the same concept, whereas you're, you're clamping and you're pulling this way, the clamps are also bringing the calls down on top of the boards so your panel stays flat. I found that they didn't work that well. And again, that was wood. Now these clampzillas are obviously a lot better made, so maybe they do effectively clamp. But what I found is those clamping systems don't put enough pressure to give me that perfect surface um, matching. The only thing that ever gave me that perfect matching is a traditional call with clamps squeezing it nice and tight or the domino. 
the domino is that accurate that when you put that thing there, those edges are just perfect with each other, as close as you can possibly get. Maybe the clamzillas do that. I don't know. I haven't had my hands on them. So what I'm going to do is break down the cost for you. This clampzilla pack, it's a four pack, costs $369. You get 19 and a half inches of capacity. So nothing wider than 19 and a half inches will be able to fit into this thing. Just for comparison purposes, a jet 24 inch two pack costs $120. So you can get 24 inches of clamping capacity that can be used for a lot of other clamping operations. The clampzillas are going to be a little bit more limited with what you can do, uh, but you get about five inches more clamping capacity and you can get six of them compared to the four that you get with the clampzilla. So value-wise, it's a hard sell unless you're doing something that is repetitive enough to justify having these things always in a, a single configuration because if you want to change the size range, you do have to change the setup a little bit and get that done before you throw your panels in. Um, so value-wise, I think parallel clamps are a better value for you. Um, but if you do a lot of repetitive tasks that fit into that size range, that might be something to consider. So hopefully that was a fair, uh, unbiased breakdown of the size uh, uh, or uh, the value of them, sorry. Judy Grass <coughs> just did a super chat and said, thank you for answering both of my questions last week. Judy, you're so welcome. Judy, that's what we do here. That's what we do. Answering questions and drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Taking names. Taking names and drinking coffee. Okay, uh, Brian, got I got another one. Brian Boatwright did a super chat and said, is the sliding table saw worth the cost and space? I have a 600 square foot shop area and I've been thinking of buying the new, buying a new table saw with a slide add-on. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, people <laughs> who have a slider, it's kind of um, like if you can completely replace everything you use a miter gauge for or a cross-cut sled for with that slider then I think it starts to become worth it. If you are processing a lot of sheet goods, cabinet shops, for instance, uh, if I had a cabinet shop and my job was to cut plywood, you can bet I would have a, probably not an add-on, I would have a Euro slider. I would have a, a you know, full-sized unit with a really nice sliding mechanism to it um, <clears throat> because those are great for sheet goods, uh, but they're pretty pretty big. They gotta be pretty, pretty big. Pretty, pretty, right? pretty big. Pretty big because they're putting a 4x8 sheet on there. Uh, the add-on systems like SawStop has an add-on. Didn't, didn't Powermatic have an add-on? Whatever happened to that? I don't know. I could have sworn they came up with a, a slider add-on, but it was only on certain models. Mm -hmm. uh, Dustin wants to know what the brand towels are. Um, Real quick. Sonterra. S-O-N-T-A-R-A. Okay, I'll look it up. It definitely looks like something I would have... Uh, Pantera! Yeah. <laughs> no, it looks like a box that you would see in a lab. Oh, like if, you, if you ever worked in a lab, that's what every product looks hey, like. they're on Amazon. I'll just add it to our Amazon store. And if, nice. you, if you buy through uh, our store, really, if you click any link on the store, we get a small percentage back. So it's, is it this one or that Neither one? Neither of those. Oh. That's DuPont's... Oh, no. It no, might be that first that box. This, it's this one right here. 25 bucks. 25 bucks. Although it, this one doesn't say DuPont on it. But maybe that's just the brand thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? But it, it's the aircraft Air, wipe. Yep. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to add it Sweet. right now to Friday Live. There you go. Amazon.com slash shop slash The Wood Whisperer. I need some aerospace baby wipes. Because <laughs> sometimes it's just messy, Nicole. Okay. Uh, Cole Mason says, edge banding is an ongoing struggle for me. While I like the simplicity and ease of applying iron-on edge banding, I can never seem to get it trimmed cleanly or... Uh, either with a sharp knife or a squeezable, squeezable edge banding trimmers. Uh, even narrow hardwood edge banding has its own challenges. Filling nail holes, avoiding gaps and overhangs. Any tips for getting great results when edge banding plywood? All right, well, iron-on edge banding, not something I've done a whole lot of. Did you just fart? Mm -mm. Oh, I hit my foot on the wall. <laughs> oh, if I farted, you would not have to ask the question. <laughs> and it would be more than just a tooth. So iron-on stuff... Not my favorite. I mean, I've done it in the past. There's been projects that really required it, and I don't like it. It's just um, I find that over time, that iron-on banding is not that durable, right? It wants to peel off, so it's not my favorite. But I've had the same problems you've had. Trimming that stuff nice and flush easily can be tricky. And a lot of times if I'm, you know, I like to try to get the iron-on edge banding before I do assembly. So I'll put it on a workpiece. Let's say it's like a cabinet, you know, side or something like that. Um, I will then put that side down on the sacrificial surface with the edge banding down after it's attached and then grab a very sharp knife, um, 
you know, whether it's just a razor blade, a box cutter, whatever, and get down into that corner and slowly go across and kind of pre-score the edge and work my way through to snap it off. And then from that point, I'm sanding, right? And it gets a little gummy because you get into the adhesive layer. Uh, but that was the way that I got the best results. Uh, the trimmers and things like that, sometimes they work okay. You don't really want to go to the extent of a flush trim bit, I guess. I wonder if people do that, you know, for, for very thin uh, veneer tape like that, which is essentially what it is. I don't know that it, you would get good results. You might get a lot of gumming because of the adhesive. Um, so you're really left with these manual things. And that's why, again, it's just not my favorite way to do it. Um, but that's what I always found is a good sharp blade, laying it down on the surface so you've got support, going right up into that corner and slicing it across. Uh, you know, if you're using shop-made edge banding, I think things become easier. You don't always need to use a brad nailer. I mean, if you're in a rush, you have to because you're waiting for the glue to dry and using tape and clamps, it, it can be a mess. But if it's a one-off thing, <clears throat> I usually like to use some kind of clamp or even just blue tape as a clamp to hold that in there. Then you don't have any nail holes to worry about. And I find that to be a little bit easier to work with. Okay, who do I have here? Peter Villaluz. I live in Virginia, but will be living and working outside of the country for the next year. Unfortunately, we'll need to leave my tools and woodworking behind. I'm hoping that it'll be uh, still able to watch the morning show live instead of when you posted it later. I'm going to coat my tools with Renaissance wax to hopefully keep them rust free. How much of a coating do you think is sufficient? How about storage? I have a mechanics tool chest and uh, safe where I put the planes and chisels with a small rechargeable dehumidifier. Also, any tips on how to keep the rust that's already developing from spreading? And yes, they are new hand planes when I bought them a year ago. Okay, first of all, I would say if you have rust, get rid of it and then make sure it doesn't come back, right? You're, you're, if the rust is starting and you're preventing it from spreading, we need to step back and find out what we can do to stop it from starting in the first place. I, I, I don't want to see you band-aid the problem. I want to see you prevent it from happening in the first place. I don't think Renaissance Wax is your solution here. Renaissance Wax, I find, is a great wax for just kind of making the surface slick. Uh, and it certainly would provide a little bit of rust protection, but if you are in a humid climate and you are leaving these things to stay there for a long time, you want something a little bit heavier duty than Renaissance wax. I would recommend you go with, um, oh, what is it, T9 Bow Shield. Okay? Oh, yeah. You could spray a layer of that on there. It's sticky, it's gross, but you're not touching it, right? The whole point is put that layer on there, that'll protect the surface. You can also look into products like Cosmoline, I think it's called. Bow Shield. I remember when I was saying BioShield. Yeah, T9 BioShield. It's a deodorant that they sell. So you got Bow Shield as an option. There's uh, Cosmoline products, which is kind of when you when you get a new tool and it's coated with that really sticky schmutz and you got to use like uh, paint thinner or mineral spirits to get it off. That's that stuff. That's actually one of the best protective things for called? cast iron surface. Surface is Cosmoline. Cosmoline? Sp uh, spelled like it sounds. Uh, I-N-E. Oh. <laughs> Cosmo Kramer. And you have to spell Cosmo correctly. C-O-S-M-O. C-O-S. S-M-O-L-I-N-E. L-I-N-E. Mm-hmm. Cosmoline. <clears throat> oh, wow. So which, you'll, you'll find different products. Mm. It looks like, so it looks like they actually have spray versions of yeah. it, which might be appropriate. Aerosol can. So <laughs> anything that could rust... Put that on it. I think it's actually going to do really well. Um, and possibly, I mean, you say you got a rechargeable dehumidifier. I imagine someone will be responsible for charging that. Uh, you might go into something passive, you know, like um, bags of desiccant, you know, like you find with products that you purchase. Oh, those little... Yeah, um, just a little, the little bean bags. Yeah, little bean bags. Right, but you can buy them in multi-packs. You yeah. can get them on Amazon in bigger packs. Put those in the drawers of your cabinet where your other tools are just Why to are stack the cards them? in your favor. Uh, desiccant. <clears throat> Another spelling challenge for you. I think it's D-E-S-I-C-A-N-T. Two S's. There two it S's. is. Oh, look at that. They got all kinds of them. Yeah, you can find all kinds of things. So those will be the, the best defense. I didn't know that's what they were called. Yeah, so let's prevent the rust from happening at all instead of trying to correct the rust or, or preventing it from getting worse. You know what? I'm going to put all of the things he said in our Amazon store under Friday Live. So cool. you can reference and know how to spell it. Yeah. Charles Masters says, I'm curious, when I see many of the woodworkers out there doing videos, they take the plane blade and chip breaker out of the plane just to hone it, uh, just to touch it up. They always take the chip breaker off. Is that really necessary or can you leave it on um, since all you're going to do is hone the very edge of the blade? You can keep it on. And the, the thing you have to think about is true 
high-level sharpening comes from the, the working of two surfaces, right? The meeting of the bevel with the back of the plain iron or chisel, whatever it is. Uh, so typically when you hone the bevel, you get a little bit of frayed material at the tip. And that's when we flip it over, just give it a few passes on a high grit stone to, to you know, the flat back needs to be honed just a little bit too to get rid of that wire edge. And that's how you get the sharpest, sharpest point. Can you get away with not doing that? Yeah, I think if you're just doing a quick touch up and you just want a little bit of extra sharpness, you probably can on your highest grit stone or your, your strop, whatever it is you're using for that high grit touch up. Uh, just do a little bit on the bevel and then go back to work. You could probably get away with that. But ultimately, the reason you're gonna see people take it out of the chip breaker is because I think they want the option to take a couple passes right as soon as they're done with the bevel on the back to get that true razor uh, edge meeting of two planes, right, ideally. Now, if they're taking it out of the chip breaker and only doing the bevel, probably just wasting their time. <laughs> like, why would you do that? The only reason to do it is because I need access to what the chip breaker is covering. And if you're just doing the bevel, that's not necessary. So that, that's how I feel about it. The, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't make a big habit out of it, though. Uh, who was it? Plan D Woodwork suggested a damp rid. Damp rid. Which is, it looks like a charcoal. Uh, um, Sounds like something you would put as a liner in underwear. More <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a, hot out here. I wish I had my damperids on. <laughs> it's a moisture absorber. Oh, good absorber. A, a good absorber. <laughs> Wonderful absorber. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's what you want. Keep the moisture out of there. Uh, I mean, a year isn't that bad. So I think you have a couple of products like this. If you have enough of it throughout your stuff, you probably could, you know, keep the moisture at bay. Yeah. That's cool. Lots of good, good suggestions. Good suggestions. I got a super chat here from Jake Baker. Bake Jaker. He says, my face masks arrived this week, and oh I just boy. wanted to say Nicole did a fantastic job, even better than store-bought. Oh, thanks. Isn't it, though? That's what my, my grandma's best yeah. compliment. Better than store-bought. It's better than store-bought. Yeah, Thank the masks you. are great. Nicole made me a nice one with a tool pattern. I think mm -hmm. that's the one you still sell. Well, I don't have any in stock right now because I'm I'm way behind. Yeah. Because I'm working on that quilt. Sorry, right. You could take a break. Yeah. But I will have more eventually. Mm -hmm. I'm probably in a couple weeks. So. Yeah, we've had to have just, we've had some like house emergency things yeah. happen, like a plumbing leak. And yeah. it's it's very interesting having to, to put these masks on and in interact with people yeah. in your own home. It's I may I, I actually uh, rejigged the one I made with ties and I use mm. elastic for kids. So the pattern is actually really adjustable. So I made Mateo one. He was so cute. And he's like, I think I'm going to try my mask out. I'm like, yeah. okay, buddy. Nice. So what am I? Having problems? Well, you're hiding your mic under your flap. Sorry. Sorry. I might be messing. It might have been fine, and everyone's going to like, just leave it alone. Leave it alone. But it bothers me. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Brian Thorpe says, not mentioning brands, but why is my purple 150 grit sandpaper rougher and more grittier than my red 80 grit sandpaper? Do they normally the colors? Well, he's the the colors. It depends. I mean, certain brands are certain colors. Mm. Red is like Reuben if you're talking about Festool. Purple, I think, is uh, one of the Norton colors. Yeah, generally, you're, you know, sandpaper is not just all things are equal. Um, depending, if you look at the details, you might find <clears throat> that the material it's made out of is different. So sandpaper generally is going to be two things. You've got a paper backer, right, that's going to determine some of the properties of the sandpaper. And then you have the grit that is essentially glued to that paper. And the kind of grit that they use can vary, just depending on the purpose of the sandpaper. Uh, some of it's coated, some's non-coated. Uh, the coated stuff helps you um, repel finish. So if you're sanding finish layers, you want one that's coated versus non-coated, which is what you would use on bare wood. Um, but the actual, the little rocks, the little baby rocks that are on the surface uh, can be made from different things. And I don't even have them off the top of my head. Aluminum oxide, um, there's just different stuff. So sometimes they feel grittier than others. Uh, there's also something that I found with really low grit sandpaper. I don't know whether it's a coating that's on it, but a lot of times I, if you go to like a 60 grit and you take that in some, some brands of 60 grit, you would think that would just tear up a wood surface. But in some cases I find it just kind of burnishes the surface. It's not as aggressive as you would think because those particles are just so large, they're kind of just dancing on the surface and not really cutting in. 
right? So if you go to a, a slightly higher grit where the particles are smaller, it seems like they have an easier job of cutting in. So a lot of times when I'm doing anything really aggressive, I tend to not go below 80 grit for that reason, because past 80, it just doesn't seem to cut the way that I want it to. And it could just be the brands that I'm buying. So I would just say, you know, depending on what you have, it could be the, the, the feel of it could simply be the type of material that the sandpaper is made of, you know. Mm-hmm. Or it could be this other thing I'm describing uh, with the coating that's on it. Okay, Luke Kearns. <clears throat> Greetings from the road. I'm a truck driver. Went home. Um, I've discovered the passion for woodworking, thanks in part to you. Well, that's awesome. I'm on the cusp of purchasing a router and some starter bits. However, I'm having difficulty uh, qualifying the correct size router to purchase. I've narrowed my options down to the Milwaukee two and a quarter multi base and the Triton three and a quarter dual mode. They serve the same fixed base and plunging purposes. They're comparable in price and reviews. Does the extra one horse make a difference to a beginner? All right, <clears throat> probably not, probably not. So here's the thing, the three and a quarter, never had my hands on it, but generally three and a quarter horsepower routers are gonna be bigger and heavier. They're not my favorite as my go-to. You are saying it's not my favorite a lot. Well, this is Ava's rub it off on This you. is the truth, well, I'm spending well, a lot maybe, of time with maybe, our kids. Well, maybe she got it from us. And we don't know. That's that not say. my favorite. She always says that. Yeah, I don't know. Who, yeah. who, who, it's a chicken or the egg yeah, yeah, situation yeah. here. Uh, so the, the larger format routers can be great. Like I've got the Festool OF2020. That thing is a beast. And it's, it's probably one of my favorite routers, but I don't use it that often. It's my favorite because of the features and it's super powerful. Uh, but it's also a pain in the butt to use because, I mean, ultimately we got to think about ergonomics and a big heavy router can actually be kind of tough on the wrists. And if you have to use it and move it around and things like that, same argument I have with the Domino. That's why I like the smaller Domino because you use it most often. It's a lot easier to sling that around than the big 700. So when it comes to the router, you just got to decide, do you need the extra horsepower? Uh, I would say 99% of the routing I do, I have a small format, you know, like I, I don't know what the equivalent of the Festool is, but it's around a two and a quarter horsepower model. That works great. It's easy to move around, it's not too heavy, and it does the job. So the Triton is gonna be a little bit more on that heavier side. I even texted Matt this morning, cause I know he's, um, he's uh, Triton's boyfriend, we'll call him that. And I said, is, is that Triton? Because it looks a little smaller than other three and a quarter horse units, but is it still kind of beefy and heavy? He said, yeah, it is. It's definitely a larger format. So in general, I would say the lighter, smaller, more nimble routers are the ones you would want to look at as your go-to everyday router. Uh, in a router table, that's when I favor the three and a quarter horse. That's when I want something a little bit more powerful. The one thing you have to keep in mind here is Triton actually make some pretty cool accessories that go with the router. So if you want to put that router and adapt it to a track system, or you want a good quality edge guide, uh, Triton's thinking about these things with their accessories. So their line of accessories is very tempting. If you go to Milwaukee, there's not a whole lot. I'm actually really, as much as I love Milwaukee, very disappointed in what they do with their routers, with the exception of their new battery-powered laminate trimmer, which is fantastic. Um, But that little two and a quarter horse router, what are you gonna do for an edge guide? How's dust collection? Can you adapt it to, I mean, there's third-party things that allow you to do these things and adapt it to things like tracks, but it's not out of the box, very easy to do. So you have to kind of weigh your options there. I can't give you a specific answer, but hopefully that lays out the column A and column B and you decide what's, what's right for you. Uh, WB Fine Woodworks at the top of the show asked, on a recent Wood Talk podcast, you made recommendations on using a film finish for cutting boards. Do you have a specific finish that you think will be best? I hate to get into this publicly, (laughs) like in this format, because the varnish on a cutting board thing is a difficult conversation to have. Yes. And if you, uh, everyone, if you're interested, go to woodtalkshow.com. The latest episode that we released on Wednesday, we have a discussion, a very frank discussion about the world of cutting boards. And that includes finishing and construction and all that stuff. Um, Not necessarily providing answers, but raising questions, you know, because a lot of the things that we question are not answered scientifically. They're answered anecdotally. And that doesn't make for a good, you know, sort of definitive conversation about this stuff. So I do think that generally speaking, it's okay to use varnish on an end grain cutting board. Why are we talking about it then? Because I want to answer his question. I'm restating what I said on the show. Okay, okay. And I have videos out there on this. So my, my stance on this is public already. It just gets messy because there are a lot of people who absolutely think you should never 
use a varnish on a cutting board. Yeah. But when applied in a way that absorbs into the fibers and does not sit on the surface, you're not really putting a coat that puts a, a film layer on the top, there can be benefits to it. But you have to look at the research, what little there is, and decide if that's within your comfort zone. If it's not, don't do it. And I'll be honest, in the past, it used to be in my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. We have a great cutting board that I retired. That still looks pretty darn good for as old as it is. It's like 15 years old. It's the first cutting board. I still have it. And it wasn't even from that video. It was the cutting board that inspired that video. And I made more for the video. So it it looks really good because it had that varnish sucked into the fibers, right? Uh, But it started to kind of, you know, crack in certain places. And it was time to retire it. But we kept it. (laughs) So I kept it. You wanted to throw away. I'm like, no, yeah, that's history. I was ready for it to go. No, I'm not getting rid of that. You know, so I will say that, you know, there is logic to that varnishing concept. Look into it. See if it's right for you. For me personally, as I've gotten older and started to just think about safety precautions and things that may or may not be problems, I start to try to reduce any possibility of, of dangerous chemicals in my life, right? That's been something that's been a mission of mine in the last five years or so. So if I can use finishes that are a little kinder to my lungs, a little kinder to my brain cells, <laughs> kinder to the environment, uh, and, and do fewer things in the kitchen that might bring chemicals to the party that I don't want in my life, um, I'm going to go in that direction. That doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It means that as a, as a human being, I've been making some of those changes for myself. You've been using walrus oil. Walrus oil is, uh, they've got some good products for food safeness. Um, what else is there? What, yeah, walrus see, oil yeah, furniture butter. Yeah. It's like one of my favorites. I'm using that, even though it says furniture butter, it's still perfectly food safe and it's a nice like paste consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great for stuff in the kitchen. Um, but what I, what I am always avoiding, which I also talk about on Wood Talk, is mineral oil. I think it's, it, 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 everybody uses it. It's really? like, it's one of the go-to things for cutting boards. But I think you have such better options than mineral oil yeah. that are completely food safe and you'll be happier with in the long Dennis run. liked your conversation about the cutting boards. On oh, good. Board, so. It was one of those that I do it here all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I spend 10 minutes answering a question and at the end I go, I'm not sure that I actually answered the question. <laughs> so it was that kind of conversation. Like We finished it and we're like, did we just help anybody? Yeah. Or did we just confuse the crap out of them? Matt McCall wants to know, how do you keep from making a royal mess of your woodwork workbench when sharpening on water stones? I can answer this one. He goes in the kitchen and does it on my countertop. Keep it off the workbench, dude. Don't dirty up your workbench <laughs> like, when you got a perfectly good I kitchen. stand in there and just... Ugh. It's all the, the swarf dust and stuff it dries. It's so gross. I'm like, are well, we done yet? We have a... Um, not our choice. We didn't design this kitchen. It was here when we bought it. We've got a very big stainless steel covered island. And it's super weird, but I guess in some ways it I has, love it for it's baking. got benefits. Oh, there baking, are certainly benefits baking on to it. it. Is great. Um, but you know, it gets all scratchy. You know, I'm mm-hmm. gonna have to resurface it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, for sharpening, it's great, right? Because it's a nice metal surface and it's easy to clean when you're done. Uh, so yeah, I sharpen in there. When I do sharpen in the shop, it's problematic. You know, that that water gets all over the place. What I would suggest is get yourself a little sharpening station. And by a sharpening station, I mean a piece of plywood. It doesn't have to be super fancy. You don't need a bucket or a trough or anything like that. Uh, Just get yourself a piece of plywood, 24 by 24, plop that down on your workbench and secure it. You can get fancy if you want to and almost make it, you know, put a little lip on it so you could always push forward and you don't have to worry about clamping it down. Um, And do your work on that. That's a sacrificial surface. When it looks terrible in five years, throw it away and get a new one. If you want, put some finish on it so it doesn't absorb water all the time. Um, I would have a sacrificial surface and this way it it doesn't make a mess of your bench. It just makes a mess of this uh, sacrificial piece of ply. Danielle in the chat says, I'm using epoxy to fill gaps on my turning blanks. I currently use West Systems, Mm -hmm. but it's a little uh, pricey. Any advice on cheaper materials? Is Total Boat, and I don't know the answer. You guys look this up. Is Total Boat's epoxy because they make the same thing yeah. in the big pumps just mm-hmm. like west system same yep. qu- quantity is the same um and i've got a set over there that's i've been dipping out of that for months now um seems pretty good comparable stuff is it cheaper so is it is total boat and west systems those are really the two big players right i suppose you could say that turn off your watch i don't know who this is so see if the price is cheaper with total boat but generally speaking when you're looking at those big you know, jugs Oof. of epoxy. Do you need both? They're not cheap. Do you need, like, all of that? Well, that's a kit. So yeah. it's going to come with cups and mixers and things like that. But it's a two-part epoxy. Yeah. So you will need, it should come with two uh, two things. 
So mm-hmm. look, that's the only thing I could suggest. There might be another brand someone else can suggest, um, but comparable product is Total Boat. I don't know if it's cheaper. Yeah. I'll look. I'll, okay. I'll throw I'll throw both in the in the Friday Live section of the our Amazon store. And let's see. Sounds good. <laughs> Corey Hastings says I've watched a few videos on card scraper sharpening, having difficulty getting them to the point of creating shavings instead of dust. The scrapers, uh, he's got crown scrapers, only made dust out of the box too. What tips do you have on properly burnishing the edges? You know, I wanted to get my little sample. You know what the problem is? The problem is you don't have a Wood Whisperer mouse scraper. These are available at the woodwhispererguild.com slash store. (laughs) It looks like uh, West System on Amazon is cheaper. Really? Mm -hmm. And it's not cheap. Not by much thing is you get so much of it but yeah. if she's going through a lot for turnings yikes mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know uh so back to the scraper thing if you've watched a bunch of videos because a lot of times what i find i'll see people who watch a video that says the same exact thing as another video but for some reason something clicked like one thing that the person does that's slightly different or the way that they describe it is slightly different and then they're like you know Huzzah, I figured this out. Now I know how to, to, to turn a burr on a uh, scraper. So watch a couple different videos, and it sounds like you already have, right? So if you still have no luck with that, one thing that's been a game changer for people, and we talked about this in the guild a while back, is there are burnishing helpers. So there are different products out there. The one I found works the best is made by Lee Valley, and it looks like, it looks like a little black whale. <laughs> Like it's a weird looking rounded contoured thing. Inside there, there's a slot and there is a burnishing rod and you can change the angle of that burnishing rod. I've been using that, like I I can still turn a burr with a standard burnisher, but that thing is so easy to use. I bought it for testing purposes and then kept it because it makes life that much easier. There are people who have never been able to get a good hook on a scraper, but then they use that boom, suddenly they have it. So what it comes down to is the angle they're using or the pressure they're using. Everything else they were doing was probably correct. That thing takes some of that out of the equation and it's amazing how well it works. So if you're really frustrated and you're about to the point you're gonna give up and just not use card scrapers, try that. It's not gonna work that well on curved scrapers, but it will definitely get your standard rectangular scrapers with a nice burr and you're gonna be a happy camper. I think it's a good investment. So, Someone in the chat room reminded me, uh, I was going to have their name, mm-hmm. uh, Cody, reminded me, we have a Total Boat discount. <laughs> so if you Use actually, if you're a guild member, uh, you have a, a discount code. I think it's t- 10 or 15%. I can't remember. I have to I look. I think it's 15. I think it is 15. But yeah, definitely use that uh, discount. But you have to buy it on their website. So if you go to TotalBoat.com, put in the coupon code, it'll take the, the money off. So it might be cool. cheaper that way. That's awesome. That'd be great. Okay, uh, where are we? So Jeff or or Ravitz, Jeff or Ravitz says, uh, "Thanks for the show and the content you produce." Now my question: Can a blade such as the Forest Woodworker Two with a number one grind be used as an everyday blade, or should it be reserved for cuts that require flat kerf like finger joints or box joints? You know, Jeff, you probably could use it for an everyday blade, but I wouldn't. I have one. I purely reserve it for joinery cuts. One of the reasons is because that's what it excels at. And it is something that I really don't want to have to send back for sharpening any more than is necessary. So it's a very specific use case. And probably for the rest of my woodworking career, it'll be sharp for the amount that I use it, right? Um, Here's the problem with using it as an everyday blade. The way they make this, or at least if you look at the tooth configuration, is if you have an alternating bevel blade, if you guys don't know what that is, typically that means at the top of the blade, you got that little carbide tooth and one tooth will be angled this way and the tooth behind it is angled this way. And then it repeats that pattern. It looks like what they've done with the number one grind is at the top of that peak, they've just cut it off. They've dog-eared it, right? So it's flat. So it does still alternate this way and that way, but it's flat at the top. So the reason we use alternating bevel blades is because that little sharp point does a great job of scoring the wood. So if you're cutting plywood, it just makes for like a less tear out prone situation. Uh, Cross cuts on hardwood even. Um, You can get a lot of tear out if you don't have a good sharp blade with that alternating bevel. Uh, So when you grind it down, you don't have that anymore and it's just a flat. So I think it's probably going to be a higher friction cut as you're using it. I think you will wear it down a lot faster 
and this specialty blade is now going to need sharpening when it should just kind of be reserved for those specialty operations. So you can, but I wouldn't. What were you talking about, Lee Valley? I wasn't listening to you. Somebody oh, was the link. Lee Valley's, um, uh, what, what would they call it? It's a burnishing tool. Yeah. Okay. And they have, they actually, I saw Vic Teslin talking about a new one. Mm-hmm. But that's. Is that it? Hold on. Card scraper burnisher? Nope. That's, I think, the new one. Oh, is that the new one? And that looks, it, look, it basically looks like it's got two little thumb plates mm-hmm. on it. Here, I'm going to get it. It's right over here. I don't. I it's right here. Nope. Nope. Not it. <laughs> here it is. Do they sell it anymore? I can't. I don't. I hope so. Uh, I don't this. see it though. I don't see it. Maybe, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they stopped selling it and started selling that new thing with the thumb grips on it. Hmm. Oh, type in variable burnisher. Oh, there it is. So it's got that slot right in here. That's where the card scraper goes. And then you are setting the angle with this and you're just going one or two passes, done. It's really, really nice. There's Highly your, recommended. There's your link, Daryl. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a, it, we're past time. Oh, shoot. How many questions do we have? Left? I got three more. We could pull those to the after show. Okay. Okay, so if you are a Patreon supporter, which we appreciate, we, we say thank you by doing an after show. Uh, so as soon as this show is done, Nicole's going to put a link to the after show and any patron level, it doesn't matter, whatever you can contribute. We do this after show, we answer a few more woodworking questions and we do some off-topic stuff and just kind of shoot the breeze. Shoot the breeze. Shoot the breeze, as it were. And oh. uh, it's patreon.com slash woodwhisper mm-hmm. if you want to get yeah, into Yeah, I put that. a link to the after show <clears throat> in the chat. Um, that's where we're going to move over to. Uh, I will also, I'll, I'll do the winner of the guild project in the after show. Okay. And uh, I, I didn't even talk about it. Did anyone notice I took the week off? I, I took, Good. I took all of the uh, social apps off my phone. And uh, so maybe during the after show, we'll talk about how I spent my week. It's not that exciting. <laughs> At all. You needed it, though. You need to do more of it. I need to do more. Maybe yeah. I should take another week. I took a picture. I'll show it in the after show of him sleeping on the couch. He never does that. When did I sleep? I'm, look, I may have been laying on the couch well, with my eyes closed. Don't think I actually fell asleep. <laughs> I don't know. You look like you're asleep. I was trying to fall asleep. So we got, we've got a back-covered <laughs> patio area. Can you show him? Can, can you show it to uh, him? Well, th- th- this is something that's easy for me to show yeah, if I yeah. have the file on the yeah, computer. Yeah, well, I don't. But they're not going to really be able to, to see the detail. <laughs> but there's me. Relaxing. Trying to take a chooch <laughs> on the back porch. Yeah. Uh, well, it was so nice out. It was I gotta make beautiful. Sure, i got to make sure that uh, before we go, because yeah. I did miss a super chat last week from Ament... To, from Kurt Martin, he at the very very end, I think we had already gone off, and he did a super oh, chat. That's right, I remember. And this. I just wanted to say to Kurt, thank you, because he said I pirated Hybrid Woodworker, uh, your book, when I was out of work, and I always felt bad. So in be- I'm in a better spot now, and I hope this makes up for it. That's amazing. And it's totally you're fine. So uh, thank you, Kurt. That not many a, people no, would, would do that. Not at all. You know. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing. So I thank you, I, Kurt. I want you in the guild. <laughs> You're a good person. Uh, email me, Nicole at the Wood Whisperer. And I'll I'm gonna, look at you. I'm going to get you set up you in see, the You see, guys, guild. pirate stuff and, you get, <laughs> no! and more good things will come <laughs> no, to you. No, that's not well. Because <laughs> I relate. I mean, there was a time in my... Napster? Yes. <laughs> in, back in the Napster days? In the Napster days. Look at all this free music. And I felt so bad yeah. that I, I went out and I bought all of Ani DeFranco's albums because of it. <clears throat> Um, and TT, uh, is that Tony Tang? I think Tony Tang. Uh, did a super chat and wants to know, has your jet clamp ever broke? My new one won't clamp. No, I haven't had any breaks. I've had times where sometimes if you slide it all the way off the bar, getting it back onto the bar can be a bit of a challenge. I've had a handle break because I dropped it and I just epoxied it back on and it seemed, it's been good for like 10 years now. Um, but I have never had one that just like gets stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of times, if it does get stuck, you could kind of put it on the floor, pull on the trigger, and you can give the um, the movable head portion a tap with a mallet and see if you can't dislodge it. But outside of that, I haven't had any kind of problems like that. 
Josh, pirate all the things. No, Josh, don't pirate all the things. That's what, what I'm saying. That's what I'm not what I'm saying. Uh, look, pirate it all and good things will come. No, it's Nicole not. Nicole will rain gifts no, upon you. No, that doesn't that that is not a guarantee. We should have a weekly feature of like someone who pirated something great no, no. and highlight it to really no. really hammer it home, Nicole. Russ Farmer <laughs> did it uh, one last super chat and said, Hi Mark and Nicole. Speaking of sandpaper, what are your thoughts on the Duragrit carbide sanding disc disc? Stubby Nubs is a big fan. Have you ever know. messed with them? I don't know. What are they? Duragrit. They sound they're probably probably some kind of diamond embedded yeah. things. I don't know. Do what is it? What is it? I'm so not in the flow of like the newest, latest, and greatest stuff. <laughs> you use what you use and I got out of the flow. And now I gotta get in. <laughs> now the I gotta get back in the flow. Uh, it's these, is that what it is? Ceramic resin fiber? I don't know. It's clearly going to be some alternative um, grit material mm-hmm. and probably lasts a long time. Duragold Premium. Duragold Premium. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 send me some and I'll, I'll try them. No, the, don't send them. The thing is, I, I am, I'm still working on sandpaper that I've had in boxes that are like... I'm looking at it. Two generations ago of Festool two boxes. Shop tor- shoot, two shop tours. Two tor- shop moves ago. <laughs> uh, I'm still working through that stuff, so I have no motivation to buy new sandpaper, so it would have to be sent to me yeah. to evaluate it. But if Stumpy says it's good, then it must be good. Because Stumpy knows. He's Stumpy. You know, Stumpy did a little uh, thing on his bookshelf, and uh, I think he saw hybrid woodworking. Oh, yeah. And it was still on his bookshelf. No, I think it was essential joinery. Or essential joinery, whichever. Yeah. At least he's not using it to level a, a, a stool leg. <laughs> Jeremy Spence. I love the no giveaways today. You're welcome, Jeremy. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. There was a lot of giveaways last week. Yeah, last week was something It was a something shop, shop cleaning week. Hey, you know, if you're not really into the giveaways or you watch this afterwards... That's a really crappy show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's that is okay. not a fun show. And makes it even worse if you're listening to it in the podcast. I can't imagine a lot of people enjoyed that, Nicole. <laughs> the but it's the, look, it's the nature of the beast. Yeah, it this is. This is what we do. This is what we do. You know, it's better than nothing. Oh, TT's follow-up. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I can't see TT's follow-up. Yeah, where is it? I don't know. Me either. I don't see it. Oh, he says, my clamp is not stuck. The clamping oh. mechanism is not engaging the teeth on the metal bar. Again, that's never been a problem. Um, could be a manufacturing flaw. I don't really know for sure. <laughs> could uh, sometimes if the if the um, you know the little serrated edge, that little uh, pattern that's on there, if it gets filled with glue sometimes, but it doesn't sound like that's what you're dealing with. You you may give them a call. Maybe they'll just send you a replacement. Okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. All right, peckers, everybody. Peckers. Right? Okay. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see y'all in the after show. The after show. Peace out. This is the after show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.